Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. Well, we're glad you could be here today for our discussion because I think it's one of the most important discussions uh, we'll have. You know, Grace Life has always said that we are committed to bringing the gospel to unbelievers, the gospel of grace to unbelievers, and the grace of the gospel to believers. And when we talk about bringing the gospel to unbelievers, there is a huge population out there that we cannot ignore. A huge population, and we don't have to go anywhere to find them because they're in our homes and in our churches, in our backyards and communities. And I'm talking about children. Now, before some of you click off, say, I don't want to hear about children. Let me just tell you, children are in your life whether they're in your family, your your church, or your or your community, you will have interaction with children, and you need to understand who you're talking to. So, uh, for the gospel's sake, so this is one of the most important discussions I think we can have. It really opened my eyes when I read the read our guest's uh, little book on uh, uh, Generation Alpha, which we'll talk about. But I've always said that uh, the gospel is only one generation away from extinction, and you know. This, gen- this generation we're talking about is a key link, but yet we find there's some problems and some issues with it. So I'd like to welcome uh, our guest today is Janine McNally. I've known Janine <laughs> for a while and uh, um, doesn't sound like it if I can't get your name right, does it? But uh, uh, we've been friends and it's been exciting to see her develop this ministry. Um, what... Uh, what can you tell us about yourself and how did you get interested in children's ministry? Where, where did that come from? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I am excited to be able to share with you guys. Um, so I, I've been in ministry for about 40 years altogether since I was a teenager. Yes, if you do your math, I'm getting <laughs> up there. <laughs> but um, it was primarily in youth ministry to start with because I was a high school teacher And from there, after I met my husband, we went into pastoral ministry and church planting. And then long story short, we ended up in Colorado in a church. And partway through our time in Colorado, I ended up on the staff of children's ministry director. And uh, while I had had no direct uh, training for children, um, I had a lot of ministry experience in teaching, obviously, and administration with church planting and all those kinds of things. And I am a learner by nature. So I set out to learn what is involved with being a children's director. And while I'm not the kind of director that you would see sitting on the floor teaching six-year-olds, I was the kind who loved to recruit and train and encourage and release volunteers to sit on the carpet with the children. So I did that. And during that time, uh, I, it was funny because during our church planting time, my husband has a gift of evangelism. I don't, he does. Mm. But uh, during our church planting, I gained such a passion for evangelism as I saw people coming to Christ. Uh, And during my time as a kids director, I I gained such a passion for reaching children, and now that has become my life passion. So that's how I kind of got started with children's ministry. 
Um, it is now what I do. It's now what I eat, sleep, drink, and breathe. Um, <laughs> and I am so excited about and so passionate about the need to reach children that it just, uh, I, I almost can't express it. It's um, kind of consumed you. <laughs> it, it really has. I, I've noticed that, uh, that yep. you really put a lot of time and thought into things. And not, not to mention the fact that you're a mother of three children and, um, and no grandchildren yet, but right. Not yet. Not one yet. Of them just, Maybe one day. Got married off yesterday. So mm-hmm. Well, you've been uh, involved with children's ministry then uh, on the inside of things and recruiting and training. Uh, what do you, what is your reflection on the state of children's ministry in churches today? That's a really good question. Um, so when I started in children's ministry, I'd been going for a year or two and COVID hit. And uh, our pastor told all of us on staff that while we didn't have services, he said, use the summer to go and learn about your ministry. So um, I, our ministry was going pretty well. We had about quadrupled in size with the kids before COVID and it was doing really well, but I, like I said, I was a learner. So I went on Facebook and I found two children's ministry, Facebook accounts with over 25,000 children's ministry leaders, uh, in those groups. And every day there would be conversations about different things and I would read them and I would learn. And I, still watch those sites very closely because I see all the questions coming out. How do you do this? What do you do about this? How do you do, how do you share the gospel with your kids? How do you train your volunteers with the gospel? Um, And that's, that's where I jump in. Um, I, I have my Bible training behind me. I, I got my master's from Dallas theological seminary and I'm doing my doctorate right now at Grace School of Theology Um, And I'll be teaching there as well. But we need to translate the theory into practice um, and be able to share the gospel with kids. So one day I was walking past the classrooms on a Sunday morning and poked my head in like I do all the time. And I heard one of our uh, male teachers uh, in the fourth and fifth grade. I heard him say to the kids, how many of you believed in Jesus Uh, that he died on the cross for your sins. And a number of them raised their hands. And I thought, great. And then to my dismay, I heard him say, okay, but how many of you have confessed him with your mouth? And he said, you need to do that as well. And I was like, oh my goodness, what have I got here? And I had the gospel, didn't he? Yep. I had assumed that my teachers knew how to present the gospel clearly. And all he was doing was following the guide in our curriculum. Uh, I went back to my office. I looked at our leader guide and sure enough, that's what the leader's guide said to say. So Hmm. we immediately changed. um, I changed my plan for our annual training and I decided we were going to establish a children's ministry gospel outline that would be taught in every classroom by every teacher at every age and that they would hear the same message year after year after year as they made their way up through children's ministry so that at the very least they would at least know the gospel when they left and it's funny because I just recently uh, did a survey I surveyed I was able to survey in approximately seven different churches Uh, one in Australia and the rest over here in in the States. 
And I just asked the leaders to ask this one question of the children, how do you get to heaven? And I know that those children's directors expected their children to know the answer, but less than 10% of the kids were able to say, because Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was that the director said, oh boy, I've got work to do on the gospel. Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing out there in the, in the churches is so much effort being put in by these children's directors on making their rooms bright and colorful and attractive and their programs fun and entertaining, which all that's really, really important. But if we miss the goal with the gospel, what are we doing? Yeah, um, what is all that? I think you asked in your book, in the opening question, if we're doing all of this hard work in children's ministry, but we don't get the gospel right, what are, you know, what, what good is all that work that we put into it? Do you think that the other churches take for granted that they're Sunday school teachers, Awana workers, children club workers, whatever the program is, do you think they take for granted that they, the, those leaders know how to, un, to explain the gospel clearly? Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know what? When I started, I started to write a book as I was preparing for a class I was going to be teaching at our seminary, and I was listing out all of the jobs that a children's director does. And that's a topic for another discussion because it, it goes on and on and on. So many different avenues of work you have to do in that ministry Having the gospel, obviously, the statistics say that the children's directors know that the most important thing is the gospel. And yet most of them say, I am failing at that area. Why? Because they are just running around with all these other things um, that they're, they're having to do. And honestly, they, they trust the curriculum. Yeah. Whatever curriculum they buy, they look at what it provides Um, I don't think many of them read the fine print. I have been in touch with different curriculum companies and I've said to them, could you show me, me, send me a sample of a lesson where you share the gospel. And the person on the other end of the phone would say, hmm, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. And it, it, sometimes I had to chase them three times before they would finally give me a link, link to a lesson. And it might be a lesson on Easter. And frankly, it didn't even have the gospel in it. And Hmm. the curriculum companies don't make it a priority. Um, And yet I think it ought to be something we share with them nearly every week just so they learn because my little survey shows that the kids, they may hear it once, but they don't remember it. And if we don't have them rehearse it and rehearse it, they won't know it and therefore they can't believe it. Yeah, you know, I think it looks to me from my observation that children's ministry uh, is greatly concerned with keeping the children uh, busy, keeping them having fun. Uh, they got to have their snacks sometimes and they have to uh, hear a Bible story and they have to maybe memorize some Bible verses. Uh, and most children's workers, I think, are grateful for prepared lessons and curricula that they can go to so that they don't have to spend so much time perhaps in preparation. We understand that it's hard to get volunteers, but maybe we ought to spend more time thinking through this issue about how the gospel is presented and what those Bible stories represent. Or just, is it just a long string of like pearls on a necklace stories or are they related to one another and how did they lead to the gospel? 
but anyway, you know, one of the most frequent questions I get in emails is, uh, do you know any curriculum for children that is grace oriented, keeps the gospel clear? And I sadly have to always say no. And um, uh, it's a big project to to do a whole curriculum, as you probably have thought thought about. But you have some good materials out there. No, let me back up a second. When we talk about children's ministries, we're talking about what ages? Uh, birth through 12. Third through 12. Okay. Birth. Birth. Nursery. Oh, nursery. Okay. Birth, birth through 12. Birth. Through 12. Yeah. Birth through 12. Okay. Um, in your experience in working with children and watching your leaders work with children, uh, they didn't answer your survey very well. I tell you, I do the same survey with pastors. I just did it in Africa with uh, 300 pastors. None of them got it right. So if they're the pastor of the church, what are they teaching their leaders and what are they that's, teaching their children? Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's just en endemic. Um, do, do you, if they don't get the gospel right, what does that do to their assurance of salvation as a basis for the Christian life and growth and baptism? Oh, I don't think any of them have any, honestly. Um, a large ministry recently put out on uh, Facebook that, you know, they had uh, 128 decisions for Christ, uh, 15 were first time. And I'm like, well, what about all the other ones? Why, uh, why are you getting more decisions or why are they repeating it over and over? Because they're not sure. Um, I think assurance is a huge issue and I, I, I'm working on materials for that. And just to go back to what you were saying about curriculum, I actually have found a curriculum out there that is clear on the gospel. Um, a guy visited my website about five months ago and said, um, do you know Charlie Bing? And I said, <laughs> actually, I do know Charlie Bing. He was at our house for Thanksgiving dinner. And he said, well, I haven't actually met him, but I've listened to his materials and I love them. I said, oh, I said, how? And he said, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so? And, -so? and I said, how do you know them? And he said, well, I listen to... Uh, I am listened to the things that are put out by the FGA, Free Grace Alliance, and I write a curriculum. He said, wow. and I love, I love your material. Can, you know, can we communicate? And long story short, I have been putting together lessons for him for the last few months. Um, his curriculum focuses on uh, theology right now. He's doing a one-year, like a mini kids seminary on theology and I've talked him into doing a second year on working your way through the Bible. It's called Spyance, S-P-Y-E-N-C-E. -E. He used to be a Disney video person. And so he creates phenomenal digital materials to go along with uh, content that is grace oriented. And um, I was super excited to find him. He's, his materials, his link is on my website as a recommended resource. Okay, that's uh, that, that is exciting. Spyance, yeah, so and the link is on your website. I saw it at the bottom. Yes, of the page. it's on the front page of my website. And he, um, he's, he's constantly producing more and more um, because, yes, it's a huge task to create uh, curriculum. I'm, the, I'm in the process of trying to write a VBS program right now. Um, that's grace oriented because I was just volunteering with a grace with a our church's VBS and the gospel 
was so mangled. I just mm. felt it was horrible. Well, the um, challenge is not only in writing the lessons, but it also uh, in in the graphics and making it attractive and mm-hmm. high quality and getting it printed and produced. And so there's a lot of links in that chain, but we're excited to hear that somebody's doing something about that. You know, a lot of churches have their own curriculum. I don't want to uh, sure. um, sell them short. A lot of churches just do their own thing, but don't make it known to other churches mm. and groups. And so making this known will be something very exciting to people who are concerned about a clear gospel. I'm going to check into it right after we're finished here. But when yeah, it yeah. when it gets more fully developed, maybe you can come back and share more about it. Sure. Well, okay. it's fairly maybe, fully. De- I mean, you can have this mystery life. person also share. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. I know. Well, he knows you. <laughs> well, okay. If you don't want to give a name, that's all right. Oh, cool. no, no. His name is Kurt Nelson. He lives in Oregon. Oh, I know Kurt. Yeah. There you go. I know Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not. I don't know that we've met personally, but uh, we, we're in touch all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good fellow. Yep. Uh, Okay, well, great. You know, now, when we talk about children's ministry from from birth to age twelve, they've given this generation a name. Whereas, you know, when I was pastoring, we were focusing on the millennials. Yes, which, which were my children. I had four children who are millennials. Mm-hmm. But uh, then we, I kind of lost interest in Generation Z mm-hmm. because I didn't. You know, there. But my my children are now having children, and in fact, I have ten grandchildren, twelve and under. Ah. So this is called, I find, after reading your book, Generation Alpha. Correct. So I've got 10 in Generation Alpha and one on the way. Yes. And uh, I think everybody knows children 12 and under. So uh, this, it was really interesting reading about them. What, what, in your opinion, do we need to be aware of when we talk about or minister to Generation Alpha? What are some of their characteristics? I know you could write a dissertation on this, but just kind of, can you summarize some of the characteristics that we ought to be aware of? Oh, my goodness. How long have you got? <laughs> so, so I was the same. I had heard a lot about millennials. Um, I didn't even, I hadn't heard the label Generation Z at all. Um, but in my reading, as I was preparing for my classes that I was going to be teaching this year, um, I started researching and I started coming across this label Generation Z and our, our youngest, actually all our kids, um, well, it's it's 13 through 28, supposedly Generation Z. And it's funny because our youngest goes to a Christian university and I said to her, uh, we were talking and she was talking about her friends and how they were just struggling with, oh, my anxiety and, and a lot of mental hmm. um health issues and thoughts of suicide and self-harm. And it just went on and on and on. And I said, sweetie, why is everybody there in a Christian university struggling so much? And she said to me, mom, what do you expect? Look at our world. And I was like, wow, yeah, you're right. We have just gone through a worldwide pandemic. There's wars, mass shootings. Uh, The family is falling apart. Gender is falling apart. Um, alcohol, suicide, self-harm, abortion. I mean, the list that these kids, the world that they're growing up in is unbelievable. So that generation has been labeled the most anxious generation ever. And that's what I'm seeing working out in our daughter's friends. She struggles with anxiety too, but they all do. They're all struggling with this anxiety. And then along comes this next generation who I had not even considered when I was doing my research. And I found a footnote in a book 
that led me to a reference written by an Australian called Mark McCriddle. McCrindle. Good on His you. Book, he, he, yeah, there you go. His book has not even been released yet. It was only available as an ebook, and I downloaded it and I started to read it, and I was like, wow, it's all about Generation Alpha. Most of the books talk about Generation Z. Right. Very few even discuss Alpha. Now, Alpha haven't finished being born. Generations usually last 15 years and then they're given another name. So we're up to Z in the alphabet. And this guy comes along and says, what are we going to call the next generation? And he goes, we can't really go back to A. That's just kind of doesn't work. That was the most, he did a survey and that was the most popular suggestion. But he decided, he looked at the names of hurricanes, how they were um, named after Greek letters, uh-huh. and, uh, Greek, no, Latin. And so he decided to go with Greek and he went with Alpha. Um, and so Generation Alpha was born. And if the label sticks, that's who they will be. But they are ages zero to 12 right now. And for the next two years, they will be alphas. So these kids, they are born into a world that has never known anything but technology. Right. If you think about that for a second, even the, the Zs, they probably didn't get their first devices till around the age of 12, 13, and they were probably primarily used in school. Uh, right. The millennials, when I talked to our oldest daughter, she said her first introduction of technology and social media was more when she was heading into college age. The Zs got them around 12, but these alphas are getting them right from birth. And if you walk around a restaurant and you see a one-year-old sitting there playing with an iPad, these kids are born into a world of devices. They're actually called the glass generation because hmm. everything is on a device and most of them own one. In the VBS I was at, I, there were two eight-year-old girls and they were carrying around their own iPhones the whole week, holding them out as a trophy. And all the other kids were like, why do you have a phone? That's not fair. I want a phone. <laughs> you don't and- have to convince me for, uh, of, of their uh, marriage to technology because- when my grandchildren come over to visit, one of our greatest challenges is to get their head out of the devices that uh, they have and listen to us. And in fact, they don't even hear us when we're talking to them. And just uh, the other day, one who turned uh, 12 years old just got her first phone. So uh, yeah, they're just born into it. That's all they Mm -hmm. know. But the only good thing about it is I can ask them how to fix something. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a good thing. But I said to to my friend the other, I talked to her about it. She said, yeah, just take them away, take them away. And I said, that is a that unfortunately that's a really naive understanding of the situation because you can't it it is here and technology is not going away away. so we have to learn as a church and as families what to do with this new technology that is impacting every aspect of their life and that's what my book that i'm in the process of finishing up right now is talking about is is how can we uh, the biggest mistake we can make, I believe, in children's ministry at least, is to continue to repeat the programs we've done year after year after year that in the past have been successful, but to keep using that same thing with a new generation of kids who are completely different. And we need to learn as a church, think through ways, how can we use technology for good? And there are ways to do that. Yes, we need to learn to teach our kids good boundaries with their technology devices, but we also need to learn to work with them with technology because it's not going away. Yeah. 
that's that's true. So I'm glad you're thinking ahead like that, and we'll look forward to seeing that in the book. Now you have a ministry called Grace for Kids. That's Grace with the number four, Kids with a Z. Graceforkids.org uh, is the website. We'll put that on the introductory text too, so people can get that. Oh, uh, what did? Why do you think this ministry was needed, and what were you hoping to uh, accomplish with this? What's your vision for this ministry? Oh, so when I was in my staff position, I would order materials. We would have an outreach event and I would try to find a gospel tract for kids. Um, I would try to find, once I saw that teacher using the verse out of context, I tried to, I looked through our curriculum um, and I was trying to find materials and I found that I was spending a lot of my time editing materials to make the gospel clear and concise and concrete. Um, And so I decided that now that I have time, I wanted to produce those materials because children's directors just don't have additional time to create things. Uh, And I've been asked by people, we need materials, we need materials. Um, So I am frantically trying to pull things together as as excellently as possible, um, but also with a clear gospel message so that I can make them available to people for free or nearly free. It's it's a ministry. It's not yeah. there to make money. Uh, yeah, just, so it's amazing what you have produced so far, and uh, the graphics are are brilliant, and um, the text and the writing is excellent. Uh, why don't you give us just a, if they go to your if people go to graceforkids.org, what what are they going to see that you offering right now? Just can you summarize what what you have available? Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, I have uh, versions of the posters with that gospel outline that I was talking about before. Um, I created uh, a number of different activity books, you know, when you've got the kids in the church service at Christmas or Easter and your kids don't know what to do with themselves. Um, A lot of companies produce activity books that really are quite lame in terms of the actual activities. They hand them out, but my activity books actually teach the gospel as you go through the different uh, crossword puzzles or dot-to-dots or colorings uh, for two different age groups, the young kids and the older kids, and we have them there for Easter and fall and Christmas and things like that. So you can use them in your welcome bags or at your outreaches. I've produced um, different gospel tracks, activities that you can do with your kids that actually teach the gospel. Everything right now is is focused on gospel. Um, I have a a four-week discipleship booklet. So if children express an interest in being baptized, it goes through salvation, baptism, assurance of salvation, and discipleship. And then I have the materials that I taught, I use to teach my teachers how to present the gospel. So there's um, PowerPoint materials there that you can just download and use them with your class, um, with with your annual training for your teachers as well as my blog posts um, and hopefully in the future here, a, a new podcast. So that's, that's where well, I'm at. That's great. So those are some really nice uh, resources and, and keep your eye on the uh, curriculum. What else uh, are you thinking about developing? Uh, right now I'm working on a, a book for kids that is not just four weeks, something that you can give them um, that takes them. I think it's an eight, eight-week discipleship manual kind of that you can work through with a parent or with a a leader from the church. Um, And I'm just kind of right now I'm trying to get my book finished 
And then I'm just, I just, ideas will come and I'll produce. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. So, yeah. Well, of course. I, honestly, if people have suggestions, if you have a need in your ministry and you would like X, Y, and Z with a clear gospel message, I'd love people to reach out. Let me know. Uh, the, uh, the last person that did that said they wanted a VBS program. So that's, that's next on my list. It's almost finished. That's uh, great. I was have... going to mention that. I was going to say people should contact you with ideas or requests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause you're, you're digitals a, a... and you know, got to go, got to include technology because of these kids. So right. I'm working on one that'll have digital materials and yeah, I'm going to be using some of Spyance videos to teach. And so, yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. Well, you know, uh, Children's ministry should begin in the home because every parent is concerned about their children. Um, and sometimes the church is just, uh, parents just assume that the church is going to take care of that, but really needs to start in their home. Uh, and, and your resources look like they can be used at home just as easily as in a church um, because so many people are even doing church remotely since COVID mm. and have gotten out of the habit of attending. So it'd be nice to have those materials for them. Yeah. Um, when when you when you talk to parents about uh, children in this younger generation alpha, uh, what can you what do you usually share with them about helping them understand the gospel and the Christian life? Well, unfortunately, um, the the generation now the statistics first of all, um, Barna research most people realize that we are losing children at an enormously quick rate. By the time they become young adults, 75% of them leave the church. Uh, Some may come back when their parents, some don't. Unfortunately, that age when they leave is becoming younger. So now what they're finding is that that 75% are leaving by middle school and the families are extremely busy. They, and, and I go into this in great detail in my book, there's the parenting styles of the parents today uh, go one of two ways, either super controlling or, uh, and they call that um, helicopter. helicopter parenting or their tiger parenting where they're chasing after their kids constantly to try and get them the best scholarship for college. Mm-hmm. And both ways put an enormous amount of stress on the children and they have them going constantly. Church becomes a negotiable uh, thing that uh, that they choose with if they have time to go to. And these kids that are leaving are uh, saying that they leave for three reasons. Either they, uh, the worst one is they just don't believe anymore. Um, and, and I ask myself, how could these kids who have been raised in the church get to the point where they say they don't believe in them or there's a new name for them. They're called knowns or nuns, N-O-N-E-S, yeah. which is short for no religion. Yeah, that's they, scary. Yep, they consider themselves having no religion um, or they say church is irrelevant. And I ask myself, why, why is church irrelevant? What is it? that we are doing that is communicating a lack of relevance to these kids. And I I talk about that in my book. And then the third reason is that they're uh, disillusioned with the church over hypocrisy, church politics, 
um, all of the scandals that are going on, the moral failures. So those three reasons are the reason they're leaving and they're leaving earlier and earlier. Now, if you think about it, that's only 25% that we're retaining. And if they're leaving at middle school, that means children's ministry is unbelievably important because that's the only time we may ever have them. And I, 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 I can't, I can't accept that. I, I, to me, we have to do something yeah, and we have to, we have that's to an emergency. That's a tragedy. Yeah. And these no. kids with these families, their parents, um, in my book, I talk about the biblical mandate. You are exactly right. It is the parents' responsibility and they will be held accountable. But these families have completely dissolved. Most kids, um, 50% will be raised in a one parent family. The other parent is often absent yeah. and a lot of parents unbelievers and they are not capable of doing the spiritual discipleship for their children. So if they even get to the church, yeah. all they have is the church. So the one, the parents that are there and that are caring, absolutely. We need to get in there and we need to train them. We need to encourage them. We need to equip them uh, with seminars and conferences and uh, forums and small group support groups and places for them to be able to share their issues. But these kids, these kids leaving, saying the church is irrelevant. How can, yeah. how can the Bible be irrelevant? What is it that we're not doing? You know, I can, I, under, I can understand the perspective somewhat because <clears throat> if church is an option and the baseball tournament takes precedent, precedent over it, um, and then the, then the soccer tournament and then the basketball tournament and then the yeah. volleyball tournament, mm -hmm. I don't I don't want to get down on parents that, that do that, but we made the decision when we were parenting that we wouldn't, even though my kids were active in sports, we wouldn't miss a Sunday for these ball tournaments and they would just have to do without. Now that made some coaches angry at us, but it also communicated to our children the importance of being there in mm -hmm. the church and a fellowship. Uh, and, uh, you know, some might call that legalistic. I don't care. <laughs> I think they got the message and, and um, they didn't drop out anyway. They were very active in their churches today. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's an emergency that, and a flow, a, we need to stem that flow of children from exiting the church. Um, and, and you mentioned in your book that another thing that's very, very important to this generation of like any generation is relationships. Can you expand on that? Oh yeah. With these kids, my goodness. Um, so we're, we're busy spending all our time making these wonderful programs, digital videos, games, activities, and stuff. And, Honestly, what they're already getting so much technology outside of the church, and there is no way we can compete with the level of digital expertise they're getting from YouTube and their apps. We can't compete with that. Yet, I think a lot of churches are trying to, mm -hmm. and I think that's a mistake. What uh -huh. these kids need are relationships. So Instead of spending our entire time even necessarily covering a curriculum, uh, what about with the third, fourth, fifth graders sitting down with them and saying, how are you guys doing at home? And yeah. just talking with them and finding out where they're at and then going to their soccer game and watching their, their practice, hmm. showing up at their dance recital. And, and so I talk a lot about how we can develop these relationships with kids outside of the church program that will show them that the church means more than one hour a week. And having a mentor or a faith friend that shows up and at their doorstep on their birthday with a gift yeah. or grabs three of them on a shopping errand and takes them 
to the grocery store and they buy the groceries then go and get ice cream and then they drop them home um, and just start to invest in their lives. I don't know about your kids, but I know for mine, one of my big priorities was to encourage our children to find a mentor that was not a parent, mm-hmm. somebody else that could give to them in their lives. We only had one of them that was successful doing that, but it was a huge encouragement to her. Um, and they need that. They yeah, don't it seems like it seems like we could take that idea of a mentorship and make it instead of going asking the kids to go out and look for one, telling the parents to go find. Yeah, <laughs> recommend somebody, somebody yeah. that they know that they like that might be an encouragement to their kid. Because yeah, relationships. You know, we cannot. Your point is great. We cannot compete with the technology that's out there and the and the wide plethora of mm-hmm. video games and uh, videos. I have to watch when my grandkids are here. <laughs> you know, uh, we can't compete with that. It's it's too exciting for them to watch or participate in in the games and so forth. But you know, nothing can take the place of a genuine relationship. I think back to third grade, and I don't remember what my third grade teacher really taught me, but I remember when I had, I was sick and I missed the Christmas gift or candle that they gave out. And she came mm-hmm. to my door and knocked on the door. And I was just so, I, I remember to this day, obviously I was so impressed that I, my teacher, my public school teacher, the only one's ever done this would come to my home and knock on the door to give me whatever it was, a candle or something. Yeah. Like yeah. See, uh, she just showed that, that she cared and it yeah. made an impression that to last to today. Yeah. And um, you talk about having grandchildren. There's a chapter in my book about grandparents. You know, oh. Deuteronomy doesn't just say for the parents to pass on the spiritual discipline to their kids. It's the grandparents as well. And there are approximately 30 million Christian grandparents in the country right now. And on average, they have four to six grandchildren apiece. That are a, That is a lot of children that yeah. grandparents have a unique relationship and ability to impact. And instead of seeing grand the grandbaby years as retirement and relaxation, grand, grandparents need to be equipped to reach their grandchildren. I, I was at a conference last year and uh, went to a session run by a guy who was talking about this. And he said what he did with his grandchildren was every single time he saw them from the time they were infants, when they came to his house, he would pray with them. They came in the door and said, how can I pray for you? And obviously when they were little, he would just pray. And as they got older, he would ask for their prayer requests. And because he did it all the time, it wasn't weird when they got to their teen years. They expected granddad to ask, how can I pray for you? And they would call him often and say, could you please pray for my friend? So he he introduced this little tradition that that's what he was going to do. And he talked about having grandparent support groups, grandparent um, small groups in churches, and sharing ideas, bringing the teenagers into the grandparent small group and having the teenagers show the grandparents how to use FaceTime <laughs> on their phones so that the grandparents could FaceTime their grandchi- grandchildren and using the teenagers to teach the grandpeople <laughs> technology. So it, it, it was like, wow, I had never even thought about that. You tend to uh, relegate those seniors to the nursery but they are an army of prayers and yeah. people with wisdom and knowledge and love for those grandchildren more than anybody else on the planet. And yet we don't use them. That, that's a great point. They really need to be used. Um, yep. <clears throat> right before we began our interview here, I got a couple text messages from my six-year-old grandchild. Hmm. So, I mean, in messenger videos 
I don't even want to tell you what they were, but silly videos. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're doing it at age six. Um, so uh, now you've lot, have a lot of good ideas out on this uh, book called generation alpha. Who are they? How can people, it's a, it's a short book. How can people get a hold of that? Yeah, it's just a summary of a, a small part of my um, book that I'm working on right now. It's just really talking about the kids. It's not even so much what to do with them. If they go to my website, uh, Grace for Kids, uh, on the first page there, they can just put their email in and, and the link will be emailed to them. Um, it's about 20 pages long. Uh, I'm hoping to uh, do another one for parents and I've been doing, I've got so much material. I may even do one for that generation Z, just what to do about all their issues with anxiety and, and just how can we help them? Um, but yeah, they can just go to the website and get it. It's also on Amazon uh, free. I'm not sure if it's still free. It, they only allowed me like five days. Yeah, they usually allow five days. Yeah, but it's only like a the cheapest dollar ninety nine. Yeah, it's a short book it. and a quick read, but it's very, very eye opening, full of facts which you support very well with a lot of endnotes. So, um, very, very ed educational and um, stimulating to think about what can be done with this generation. So go to graceforkids.org and you, you'll offer it there. Plus they can get to see all your other um, resources. Now you're also going to be speaking in October uh, 2022 at the Free Grace Alliance Conference, which is mm -hmm. in Keller which is in the Fort Worth, the suburb. And uh, that's October 10 through 12, 11, uh, 10 through 12, Monday through Wednesday. It's yep. our yearly um, international conference. I, I participate in that also. Uh, what are you going to be talking about there? Excuse me. Um, I'm going to be talking about how it's important to reach these kids, you know, keeping the gospel simple, free and clear, but um, the necessity of, of kids. You know, we love arguing theology and debating theological things, and that's great, and I enjoy it, but at the same time, these kids are growing up and they're leaving the church. Um, yeah. time and well, time I encourage people to catch up with you there at the conference and, and interact with you also in and, out, in and outside of your workshop. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk about explaining the gospel clearly to kids. When I was a child and I grew up in a do large denominational church, we had to memorize Bible verses. We memorized John 3.16, of course, mm -hmm. I probably did that first. Everywhere I go uh, in in Africa, mainly children have memorized John three sixteen. When I ask them to explain it to me, they never can. Hmm. They never can understand what John three sixteen is saying about salvation. As we close here, let's assume that children know John three sixteen. How would you explain that to them in a clear gospel presentation? Well, what we did with our church, um, we used Larry Moyer's bad news, good news approach uh, good. that he developed in Evangel, and we simplified it down. Uh, we had four points and four verses, bad news, we're sinners, Romans 3.23, uh, and we deserve to be separated from God, Romans 6.23. And the good news, uh, Jesus died on the cross and paid our sin penalty, Romans 5.8, and all we need to do is believe, John 3.16. So it was four points and four verses. And we had them memorize those verses and memorize the points. And then we did add a fifth for assurance with John 5, 24. Um, and I found that when, when I was teaching my teachers, they were able to get a hold of those points. And because they knew what to say, they didn't add additional things. We like to add 
we like to complicate things as adults. I think we get tongue-tied and we try to keep talking. And as we talk, we make it more and more confusing to these kids. And um, they don't know what on earth we're talking about. That's that's what we did. And all of my uh, resources on my website follow that same simple outline um, so that every year as a child graduates from one class to another class, they're going to hear the same thing. Oh, that's right. My teacher taught me that last year. And they it, it keeps being reinforced. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I also yeah. use uh, Larry Moore's Evantel's uh, presentation of uh, bad news, good news to train people in evangelism, which I'm actually I use in my evangelism course that I'm teaching. Um, well, Janine, it's been great talking with you to see your passion for children and and the wonderful materials you've already produced, but uh, looking forward to seeing what else develops. Um, and we'll keep in touch with you about that curriculum as well. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. Yeah. And as we close, I just want to uh, remind people that um, if you would, at the end of the podcast, subscribe to uh, Grace, uh, Simply by Grace. It's called Simply by Grace on any podcast app that you use. And um, give us a review, like us, leave a comment that helps other people get to tune in as well. Uh, But we want to be sure that you understand that John 3.16, like I did, is not just talking about when I was a child, I thought it was just talking about God so loved the world. I didn't understand that he really loved me. Hmm. And we we want you to understand as you listen that God loves you. And he loved you if you were the only one in the world. And he would have given his son, his most precious son, Jesus Christ, for you. And the reason he would need to do that is because we're all separated from God by our sin. And Jesus Christ came and paid the price for our sin so that we could enter into a holy heaven and eternal relationship with him, which we couldn't do on our own or by our own efforts. It all comes through what we call the grace of God, the free gift of God. And it's there for those who will receive it as a gift. So trust in Jesus Christ as your savior uh, and don't try to earn salvation on your own. That's the message that Janine and I have been promoting. And we call that the clear gospel of grace. So thank you for being with us. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. For more resources or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace.org at gracelife.org. See you next time.